0: You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 and 11 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. This is NPR News. I'm Chris Farrell. In today for Carrie Miller. It's Monday morning, which means it's time to talk politics with Ken Rudin, host of the Political Junkie podcast. He joins us this morning from Washington, D.C. Hello, Ken. Good morning, Chris. So I just want to dive right in. You know, none of the niceties. Let's just go right into what's going on now. (laughs) Is this a trolling or a serious threat. President Trump says he might shut down the federal government if Congress does not pass sweeping changes to immigration laws, including building the border wall.
1: Well, he has threatened this many times in the past. I think he has threatened it almost from the day he took office in January of 2017. What this does is that every newspaper headline is now talking about the shutdown and not talking about, you know, Paul Mataport yeah. or Michael Cohn. Or playboy or helsinki or anything like that but the fact is is that he is very impatient with congress they have not uh come up with the 25 billion dollars needed to build the wall they did come up with like 1.6 billion dollars um not too long ago um to to, to, you know to to start the the process of the wall to do some some kind of uh, layers of border security but not what donald trump wants
0: Okay, so let me uh, read on in, on his tweet, and uh, you can just imagine there's a lot of capital letters in here, but he went to say, "Must get rid of lottery, catch and release, et etc," and finally go to system of immigration based on merit. We need great people coming into our country. Now, the thing is, one of the the turns in this Trump administration, initial focus on illegal immigration, but they've also been tightening uh, entry of legal immigration, right?
1: They have, and uh, I mean the the fact is, when you know, you I don't know if it's a it's a whistle, a dog whistle, or anything like that. But when he talks about when he the president talks about wanting the the right people, the good people coming into the country, I mean, does he mean everybody from Finland? Does he said once before? <laughs> Are they of a certain uh, color? Are they a certain you know? So so this look, this is very Donald Trump, and and this is also very. Uh, donald trump as we 're approaching the midterm elections, right which is just you know just over four months away what 's interesting is that there are good things to for the president to talk mm-hmm. about the job growth the 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 the, the, the growth, jo- the jump in the uh, the economy the four point one percent growth between April and june that is great stuff i mean yeah. that's something that if I were the republican party i 'd be working on that but not talking about divisions, not talking about impeaching Rod Rosenstein, not doing things that that'll divide the the party, let alone the country in the in the months ahead of the election,
0: yeah, well, one of the things that was really intriguing is the reaction too I mean four point one percent this is good news, but there's a story in I believe it was the New York Times about how with the midterm elections coming up. A number of the Republicans really aren't running on the economy. They aren't running on the tax cuts. They're not running on the stock market. And yet that was the thought when we saw when the law was passed that that's what they were going to run on.
1: That's exactly right. And the article went on to say that basically if anybody's talking about the tax cuts, it's it's the Democrats, Danny O'Connor who's running in a special congressional election in Columbus, Ohio, on August 7th, is talking about how the tax tax cuts helped the rich and helped the corporations, not the middle class. So it's interesting, at least in that article, talking about how, if anything, it's Democrats who are talking about the tax cuts and how it's hurting uh, the American people, whereas the Republicans are staying away from it. But as you say, Chris, I, I think I agree with you. I don't know why the Republicans are not talking more about the economy, because look, look, let's be honest here. If the economy were poor, if the job growth, uh, the economy growth was poor, we'd be blaming Trump and rightfully so. So I kind of think that the president should be able to take political credit for it. And I don't know why they're not running on that.
0: So let me just give out the number for a minute here. If you have a question about politics for Ken, call us 651-227-6000 or toll free 800 242 2828. Now, can, you know, okay, we can talk about immigration levels, we can talk about the economy, but something that's really disturbing there are over 700 kids who are separated from the parents at the border, and they're still in government custody today. Now, this is several days after a court mandated deadline for reunification. So, will Trump seek political consequences to this? I mean, it was I mean, the pictures have been stunning. The story is stunning. There's been very the Wall Street Journal ran a really nice in-depth story. So The New York Times, I mean, reporters have been really telling this story and it is a tragedy.
1: Politic. let's let's get away from the family yeah. tragedy of this and let's talk about politics for a second. But I agree with you. I think this should come back to hurt the president because this is just, one would think, intolerable. But just like with Hell, St- Hell, Hell well, <laughs> perfect, it is Hell Stinky, right? I mean, it's extremely Hell Stinky. And right after Helsinki, <laughs> when the president seemed to be siding with Vladimir Putin over his own you know, the U.S. intelligence agencies, people said, well, gee whiz, you know, the president is going to take a political hit for this. And two days later, people stopped talking about it completely. It, we have not completely forgotten the separated children from their parents who illegally crossed the border. And and those pictures are just, you know, just gut wrenching. But whether whether it becomes, you know, it, 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 we always talked about Ronald Reagan and his the, the Teflon, Teflon presidency. His, yeah, exactly. To deflect stuff. But but Donald Trump, I mean, even even if he gets attacked for it, he just goes on and just changes the subject. Nobody does it better than he does.
0: Well, speaking about you know pushback, um, the Charles Koch uh, brothers network had their meeting in Colorado as a conference, and they uh, they came out pretty strongly against the tariffs. Uh, uh, Charles Koch was talking about this could lead to a recession. I mean, it was, and they also came out very strongly against the the tone in Washington D.C. The lack of civility it was quite striking.
1: Whatever one thinks about the Koch brothers and what they're Goals are the fact is they are true libertarian conservatives. They've they've been that like that forever. Of course, well, David Koch was the candidate for vice president in 1980. People forget that. But the fact is, is that even during the campaign, the Koch brothers were very critical of Donald Trump. The fact that he's not a true, was not a true conservative. The fact that he had a history of backing Nancy Pelosi and pro-choice causes and things like that. So the Koch brothers have been, while definitely staying with conservatives and and definitely wanting Republican increase in Republican strength in the House and Senate, they've always been, uh, suspicious and critical of Donald Trump and they certainly we saw that still certainly this weekend at that conference in Colorado.
0: So we're seeing where um agricultural secretary Purdue is talking about farmers might get some payments out of this 12 billion dollar fund starting in September going to work.
1: You know you know stuff so this is really remarkable. I mean, you know Again, we're talking about what the reality is because just the other day the president said, "Look, you know, you got to be patient. Yes, we're gonna. Yes, I am gonna give out a a bailout. Uh, You know how you know how Republicans oppose socialism unless it comes to unless it comes to a bailout (laughs) of farmers, but they're talking about a twelve billion dollar payout to farmers because the tariffs are slow to, uh, you know, to to to, uh, work." And then he said. Then he says the president says that the uh, European Union agreed to tremendous amount of concessions, and uh, they're going to buy much more natural gas and and soybeans, and they they've agreed to uh, reduce tariffs. And it's a great victory for the Trump administration. And then you hear from the European Union minutes later saying none of this is true. There is right. no deal. There is no bargain. So so you know. It's one thing for us to say, well, this is great news for the president. it's is great news for the, 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 the economy. It's great news for the Republican Party because X, Y, Z happened. But then we find out it didn't happen. So, so I mean, we talk about, I know the president, nobody speaks of fake news more than the president. But when they, he says things that just is not true, things that are just not happening, you just say either like, oh, my goodness, this can't continue. Or, you, or if you're a supporter, you can say, well, the president is correct. And the, the media has it wrong. And for everybody else, for people from Earth, you just say, you just shake your head and say, how long does this, this continue? Just the, the untruth that are, they're told and the fact that there's no pushback.
0: Yeah, so uh, the European Commission President uh, Juncker, um, he got the best of this.
1: Well, I don't know what got the best. I mean, the best of. It. I mean, if you, if you, if it's just like the back and forth between Trump and or and and of the New York Times. You know, Sulzberger had his say, and I think he got the best of it. But I don't think Trump agrees with it. When the head of the European Union said that no, this is not true. Uh, the, the, we did not give any agree to any concessions. Trump said, you know, had no response to that, and I think he feels that he came out ahead as well. So. There is an Alice in Wonderland uh, feel to all of this that that, you know, you're looking at this thing and say, what is real and what is fake? But we've been saying that really since January of 2017.
0: So shifting metaphors from Alice in Wonderland to Hamlet. I mean, we have some of, you know, senators seem to be doing their Hamlet routine about uh, the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. But is this a done deal?
1: Well, I mean, that's my gut feeling, or at least I should say that I can't see how he's defeated. There are, I mean, once upon a time they were talking about, well, maybe uh, 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 Susan Collins of Maine or Lisa Murkowski of Alaska uh, might vote no. now Rand Paul is doing his vintage Hamlet, which he always does. (laughs) He has questions (laughs) about national security. He said, well, you know, I'm hemming and hawing. But more often than not, uh, 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 Rand Paul says these things and, and eventually succumbs and votes for the Trump thing. But. And the, the fact, and the fact is, is that you still have these these blue state, I'm sorry, these red state Democrats like Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, uh, Joe Donnelly in Indiana. There's tremendous pressure on them from their conservative states to vote yes, and all three of those Democrats voted for uh, Neil Gorsuch as well. So for all the pressure, I say, well, maybe if we can get a one, because it's a 50 to 49 Senate with John McCain right. not expected to vote. It's 50 to 49. One Republican could kill it. But people are forgetting that there are at least two or three Democrats who could very well vote for Brett Kavanaugh. And so my gut tells me that unless something unbelievable comes out, and, of course, everything we talk about every morning is unbelievable, <laughs> but, um, but I suspect that, yes, he, is, he joins the court to replace Anthony
0: Kennedy. You know, Ken, it's the political junkie. I mean, I just you, you just must be sitting up at night. What what, what can I talk about? I, there's just nothing here to talk about. Uh, just, it <laughs> well, must be very and, tough and, to make a living the way you are these days.
1: Well, well, I don't know about making a living, but there's plenty to talk about, that's for sure. And as we get closer to the midterms, there is, you know, the Democrats need 23 seats. There is tremendous divisions within the Democratic Party as well. Do you Do you go like like a Connor Lamb, the guy who won in the southwest Pennsylvania district by running against Nancy Pelosi? Or do you do Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, the, the the that Democratic socialist who uh, won the nomination, Democratic nomination in that, in that district in Queens and the Bronx? So for all the talk about how the Democrats are going to run an anti-Trump campaign and win in November— they have their own divisions that they have to deal with, so it's going to be a fascinating uh, midterm, both in the House and the Senate.
0: So, for the midterms, not the not, not the the presidential election in 2020, but for the midterms, is this Democratic strategy? We don't care what you say. We don't care which which side of the you know whether you're more liberal, more progressive. You want to run against Nancy Pelosi. You want to embrace Nancy Pelosi. We're fine. Just win.
1: I think there's truth to that. I think. To say that one uh, one size fits all for the Democrats is just not true. What works in the Bronx and Queens won't work in southwest Pennsylvania or Iowa or Ohio. Uh, What works in Berkeley, California, you know, won't work in, um, you know, Lansing, Michigan, for example. So I think the the, the Democrats feel that we don't care if you're pro-life, pro-choice. For the most part, I mean, we've seen Bernie Sanders back a pro-life candidate for mayor of Omaha because he was good on the economy. So the Democrats do have their divisions, but ultimately the goal is 218 seats to make Nancy Pelosi speaker once again, even though there is a sizable number of Democrats who, look, the fact is Nancy Pelosi is 78 years old. Her number two, Steny Hoyer, is 79 years old. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the Democratic Party is up there in age. There are a lot of Democrats hoping for younger and more vibrant leadership.
0: Well, on that note, we have to say goodbye, but it's always good to talk to you, Ken.
1: Hopefully, there'll be something to talk about next week, Chris.
0: Well, 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 we we hope so. Ken Rudin is host of the Political Junkie Podcast. This was a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to our discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet Carrie at KERRI NPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all of our shows by subscribing to this podcast. If you have questions, you can email us at talk at npr.org.